you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Studios. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you discover new things about our city's culture and its history. Today, we're talking punk rock. You'll soon find out about the evolution of the backyard punk shows that sprouted up in East LA, starting the 1980s. When people talk about the LA punk scene, when it started and its origins, it's always centered on Hollywood. And that makes sense, right? Because it did start in Hollywood. But we have to also see what, what was happening on the other side of the L.A. River. And what was happening on the other side was this scene and community that we just don't give enough credit to. That's Stephanie Mendez, who is a punk herself and a journalist who wrote an article, Ode to East L.A. Punk and the Backyard Gigs We Inherited for Spin Magazine. She's also been featured in a documentary called Los Punks About the Scene. I don't know much about the punk scene myself, but we love LA history and highlighting communities, so we wanted to explore this topic with Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. The first thing I want to ask you is about your ties to this very local LA rockero punk story. So I am a punk lifer. I got into punk in seventh grade. I'm originally from Santa Ana, which is right in the middle of Orange County, and I um, you know, ever since I got into punk rock, I've never looked back. Mm. And so in high school, I think maybe it was 2004, 2005, this was a time when street punk was really big. And a lot of the punk core bands were sort of dominating the scene. So sounds from bands like The Virus, The Voids. And so as street punk was becoming big, so were uh, backyard gigs. And backyard gigs, that was something that was already, you know, happening in the punk scene in the 80s. But in the mid-2000s, it just kind of started exploding again. And so we would have them in Orange County. But what we would often do, too, because L.A. was the mecca of punk, of course, we would take, you know, um, the 460 in Anaheim. Uh, that's an L.A. Metro bus that would take you down okay. to downtown L.A. And then we would bus it there. Or if somebody's, you know, big brother was going to L.A., you know, we would all kind of like we would call this WAP pack. We would WAP pack the van <laughs> and head up to, you know, East L.A., South Central, where all the gigs were happening. And so in high school is, you know, when 
when I got, you know, um, introduced to the East LA backyard punk scene, along with so many people from my neighborhood, I can't emphasize just how big this phenomenon has been in LA punk, because it wasn't just kids from Orange County like me, it's kids from the Inland Empire, kids mm. from San Diego, people busting missions from all over just to go to backyard gigs in LA. Let's talk about also the recent Backyard show that you highlighted in your piece. Describe it for us and what made this show kind of a big deal. So the reason why this specific Backyard show was a big deal um, and is a big deal is because it was Corrupted Youth's last Backyard gig. And for those who grew up in the L.A. Backyard scene, anyone who's been to any of these kinds of parties knows Corrupted Youth. of the LA punk scene. They've been playing backyard gigs since, you know, the 2000s. Nacho Rodriguera, who's better known as Nacho Corrupted, he's been throwing shows specifically in Boyle Heights and East LA for several years. Hey, I sure ever want to say one thing, boss out. Corrupted you may end tonight, boss out. But one thing is never going to end, the fucking friendship I have with this motherfuckers right here. And so this specific gig that I highlighted was their last backyard show. They still have, I believe, two upcoming gigs at venues, but that was it in terms of uh, backyard party, backyard gig. And so I chose to highlight it as part of sort of a larger look at East L.A. Punk, some of the history of it, how backyard gigs started. Like, why did East L.A. Punks sort of gravitate to that? And, you know, it has a lot to do with sort of these intersectional aspects that affected punks when the scene was first uh, cultivating, right? So there was a lot of racism involved. Punks in East LA couldn't get gigs in Hollywood. A lot of times it was because of their identity, right? And so I interviewed uh, Johnny Alvarado, who was the lead singer of Fishhead, a hardcore punk band from East LA. And he told me that they would call these clubs in Hollywood and say, hey, we want to play. And the first thing they would ask them is, where are you from? And when the minute they would say East L.A., they would either hang up on them or they would, you know, call them, you know, Taco Punks, you guys play Beaner Rock. So there was a lot of racism involved uh, back in the day. So wait, did you said Beaner Rock? Beaner Rock. Yes. Yeah, Beaner Rock, wow. Taco Punks. He said that they would also just call them Julio's. So instead of like. You know, nowadays, if somebody wants to be racist, they'll call you Jose, right? But mm. back then, they would say, oh, you freaking Julios. And for someone who's not familiar with punk or maybe the East LA scene, which, you know, I'm going to be totally honest here. I didn't grow up with punk music around me. My friends on the other side of the <laughs> high school did. But you know, you've been to backyard gigs, right? I have, girl, I have been to the parties, backyard gigs for sure. Oh, there you go. See, you know um, it. So I know some of it. I know no, some of know it. No, you know it. No, you know it. Give yourself some credit, girl. I love that. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But I want to know more about the East LA scene. Like, who are the bands that you had to know and what sets them apart? So when it comes to what bands to know, it really depends on what era you're talking about. So if you're talking about early punk in the late 70s, early 80s, the East L.A. punk bands to know were bands like Los Illegals, The Brat, The Undertakers, and Stains. I think Stains is definitely one of the most underrated punk bands from East L.A. They were a hardcore band. So 
foundational band, but also they're a punk hardcore band that was signed to Gretkin of Black Flags SST Records, and they are not given enough flowers for that. And then in the 90s, you know, punk in East LA, it sort of ebbed and flowed a little bit. It died out. But um, Union 13 definitely brought it back by merging punk and hardcore and ska. thousands that's when backyard punk was really happening and so some of the bands that would play a lot of these shows were the runs which they've continued to play now into the present but they are also retiring just like corrupted youth and then in the 2010s we get bands like underground alliance which ended up being featured in the los punks documentary and they were sort of a band that were playing the circuits in east la and making a name for themselves hey this ain't hollywood it's east la remember that We know that the backyards and the houses were such an important aspect of the punk scene, but also there was this one venue, the Vex. Even though it was short-lived, what made it so important? What made the Vex important is that that was really one of place where Latinx punks from East LA could finally play shows, finally had their own safe space, wouldn't be turned away because of their identity, wouldn't be turned away by the racism that was sort of present in some of the Hollywood clubs. But not only that, it ended up being a sort of bridge between the East LA punk scene and the Hollywood scene. Because eventually bands like X, bands like Black Flag, Bands that were playing uh, the Hollywood scene and were, were sort of based there ended up coming over to the east side thanks to the Vex. So in many ways, it sort of bridged that sort of separation that existed between the East L.A. punk scene and the Hollywood punk scene. Stick around for more of my conversation with journalist Stephanie Bendez about the East L.A. punk scene. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish. Rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Another aspect we have to hit on is that these are kind of like neighborhood parties, home parties, instead of the clubs that people would go to. Maybe there's like a cover charge or like an ID check. Do you feel like this scene helps it to make it more accessible to people? 
whether you have an ID or whether even you have like some of the extra cash to go to a place. Is that a part of the atmosphere that helped these bands find a following? Backyard gigs absolutely help local bands not only gain a following, but also um, they help create these spaces for all ages, right? Where teenagers and people in their 20s and even people in their 50s can come and hang out and see what um, the local scene and the newer generation is creating and, and playing, right? And so backyard gigs, again, they happened because of a necessity Mm -hmm. and what was that necessity well east la punks mainly latino punks latinx punks were unable to play these these bars these venues and so backyard parties help create these spaces but also help introduce you know young punks who can't um get into a bar or a club show that's 21 and over right like this makes it accessible for them where they can experience a punk scene that they want to be a part of they can listen directly to the music uh to the bands without having to deal with like well i can't get into this show because it's 18 and over i can't get into this one because it's 21 and over it not only creates a safe space but it it's also creating a space in general. Do you have any like knowledge of how folks would set up that backyard, whether it was like an abandoned house or like La Tia or Los Tios were out of town <laughs> and they would like borrow it from them? Like how would it come about? So I've been to all of these types of shows. So um, some of the ones that I've been to from back in the day, sometimes it would be an abandoned house. It would be a house that's for sale. Somebody would break in. If we were lucky, sometimes they would still have electricity. So we would just plug in and either, you know, have the band outside or if we were trying to be low key, you know, we'd have the band play in the in the middle of the living room. Sometimes if it didn't have electricity, you know, somebody would bring a generator. Um, but more often than not, it is like a Thea's house. It is a grandpa or somebody's parents are out of town. And, and you know, we decide, dude, let's throw a backyard dick. This used to happen a lot in my youth as a teen. Sometimes it was somebody's birthday. And we would beg and beg their parents, please, can we have a backyard gig, please? And parents would reluctantly say yes. Eventually, either the cops would raid it or the parents would be like, that's enough. I'm done. Get everybody out of here. And we'd get (laughs) kicked out. Yes, we would get rolled out. And we would warn our parents. Like, my mom let me throw backyard gigs in the back of our apartment complex. I didn't live in a house. We were low income. So our apartment complex had a huge empty lot. And so I begged her a few times, please, can I have this gig for my birthday? She'd say yes. And I'd have to warn her, like, okay, there's going to be people drinking, but I don't drink, mommy. Remember, I don't, you know, I don't, you know. (laughs) And she'd be like, okay, mija, si, esta bien. But yeah, it it just, these parties that are happening, it's every... Every opportunity you can think of, that's exactly what we did. It's kind of like DIY or the rascuache vibes that, you know, (laughs) the community gets sometimes. (laughs) I hear that. Absolutely. I want to highlight this punk collective you wrote about, Nothing Less Booking, that puts on shows across L.A. And now they're getting bands to play in East L.A. that didn't come up in that scene, like maybe the subhumans. Oh, yes. It sounds like there's a greater recognition of East L.A.'s impact on punk today than there had been in the past. 
Absolutely, 100%. So I do believe that there is this larger recognition uh, for East LA punk and for better or worse, right? Los punks did sort of open up the rest of the world's eyes, you know, to what was happening in East LA. Again, for better or worse, because there is also a lot of flack on that documentary, particularly because the documentarian, you know, Angela Boatwright is a white woman mm. uh, from New York who came into the scene and covered the scene for better or worse. Um, although I'm, I will say that ever since that happened, it's sort of like punks all over the country have sort of opened their eyes into what's happening here. The scene has probably changed throughout the years, right? Yes, um, absolutely. But I want you to take me what it's like today. You know, is it still going strong? And if someone wants to check out a show, a backyard show who hasn't been, maybe where do they go look and find them? So the backyard punk scene in LA is 100% still active, 100% still going strong. And there are a lot of lifers that tend to go, but it's also now a lot of like young kids, but it's always been teenagers. Teenagers have always been going to these backyard gigs since the dawn of time. Why? Because they can't get into the club shows. They can't get into the bar shows. And it's so interesting to see Gen Z and even you know, teens younger than Gen Z that are going to these shows still and that are supporting. And so for somebody that wants to attend one of these shows, uh, two really good resources uh, to check is uh, Nothing Less Booking. Check out their Instagram page. They not only throw shows in backyards, they throw shows all over LA, but they're a really good resource. Also, Tromoville in South Central, they're always throwing a lot of backyard gigs. So it's really about just connecting with people in the punk community, following these pages on social media. You'll see that a lot of these flyers will say, ask a punk. And, you know, it's that way because, that. yeah, we want to maintain the DIY aspect, but also because it keeps, you know, sometimes outsiders at bay. And obviously it always sucks when LAPD rates the gig. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's in everyone's best interest to just kind of keep it low key and keep it, you know, ask a punk. What would you say is the legacy of the East L.A. backyard gig scene? I'd say the legacy is a legacy that continues today, but that has ultimately gone beyond East L.A. because backyard gigs are such a California phenomenon. But we have East L.A. to thank for that. And people mm -hmm. don't think of East L.A. as ground zero for backyard punk and backyard gigs, but it, it really is. Right. Because when you look at the history and you talk to the OGs, they even tell you, well, you know, like the backyard gigs started happening because, you know, musicians are always trying to find places to play. But it's also this very Latinx cultural inclination, right, to throw our quinceañeras, our bodas, baptisms, yes. birthday parties in our yards. It's just easy. It's, it's accessible, especially for low income communities. Right. And Latinos and punk, the Latinx community just sort of took it to the next level. I love that. Stephanie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. That was journalist and producer Stephanie Bendez. We'll include the link to her article and spin in our show notes. I hope you learned a little bit more about the East LA punk scene. And if you're a punk yourself, hope this episode resonated for you. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back here tomorrow with another episode of How to LA. Hasta mañana. This episode was produced by Monica Bushman. The How to LA team includes Victoria Alejandro, Megan Botel, 
Evan Jacoby, and Erica Washington. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.